Welcome back to the Ending TBR Podcast. This is your host, Nicole. Do you know those authors that release so many books in a short amount of time? You're like, how do they do that? And which one should I read first? Well, Pepper Basham has been very busy this year. And she is here on the episode today telling us what we can expect from the next few releases that she's had this year and coming early in 2023. Thank you for joining. So I am happy to welcome back Pepper Basham to the podcast. Yay! And I can now say she is Christie Award nominated. I'm a finalist. That's like unreal. I am still in shock. I'll probably be in shock all the way up until November when the finals, when the contest happens. Everybody. I'm not, I'm not shocked. I'm kind of like, well, it's about time. (laughs) Clearly your faith in me is bigger than my faith in me. There we go. (laughs) I'm kind of like, well, hasn't this always like, of course. (laughs) Oh yes. Hope between the pages. When I saw it on there, I'm kind of like, like part of me is like how oh, that that was like a while ago I always get I always like lose track because it's like the previous year and mm-hmm. stuff like that and I'm kind of like well like if you think that's good you should keep reading like okay, yeah I'm I'm biased no I'm honest I I like really enjoy it and I yeah love that one well and it was I would have to say uh it's not it's still me and my voice, but there's something a little different about that one. Don't you think? I mean, besides it being dual timeline, which I don't, that's the only book I have that's dual timeline. I don't know. There's some kind of special magic or something. There, I'm not even sure. Deep, there's a deep resonance about yeah. between the pages. That was like, really, was really good. Like, seriously, it needs to win. But anyway, <laughs> and it's really hard too it's like when you see like a few of them that like you love that year and you're like oh no now how do I choose my allegiance (laughs) you can love everybody because we're Christians we can love them all that's true (laughs) you can be sure I am going to be cheering on the people in the same category as me because they're fantastic authors and even better people so that's an easy thing to cheer yeah, it is. I know. I get it's a little bit of a competitive side that I don't need to work on. <laughs> no, no, it's fine to be passionate about who you're passionate about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you have been very busy this year. It's um, Heart of the Mountain released earlier this year, and that was a sequel to Laurel's Dream. It's through Barber. You got it. Mm-hmm. And um, like, so did you always have like this sequel planned out or is this something that came along the road? Like, how did that, how did that work out? Yeah. So no, I didn't always have that one planned out. I had actually a different sequel planned out to begin with, which is, I'm hoping that they'll sign for me to write at some point. It's Kizzy's story, which you hear mm-hmm. about Kizzy in book one and book two. And Kizzy's story is very close to my heart because it's based on true family history. And um, I want, I want to write it. Um, but um, that was the original book two. And then uh, I started, I reread Laurel's Dream and I was like, I really feel like Jeb has a story. And I 
you know, what would it be like a, a veteran coming back from World War One and a veteran who had grown up in this isolated part of the world who suddenly thrust into this larger world. I mean, people in Appalachia don't usually leave. If you go five miles from your house, your whole life, it's a big deal, right? And and especially during that time period, you didn't travel a lot. There wasn't a lot of traveling. And um, so it really, he, he started, he was the one who started first trying, kind of uh, bothering me with, hey, I got a story to tell. And then I was like, well, who, what kind of woman would make this an interesting story? And then of course, Cora came to mind and it was such a blast. Once I threw them together on the page, it was like insane. And, the, and he's like this calming factor. And she's like, uh, take over the world. And she really I, explodes into the scene, doesn't she? She? Yes, she does. And I love that about her because speaking of passionate, she is incredibly passionate to do the right thing mm-hmm. but to prove herself somehow yeah. and um and he and he's not intimidated by that and I think that's what made them a good pair it was funny yeah. it's like when I wrote out my, like my questions is like okay we have Cora and her dynamic and I go and how did you match it to Jeb and I realized it was the opposite <laughs> <laughs> right I know right. Well, and I, I didn't realize it until I started thinking of Jeb and like what kind of woman would go there and I'm like wait I already created one uh Jonathan has a sister and I can easily I can try to figure out a way of why she would come to America to get them together and the fact that she was already helping in a hospital in a, in a, a war hospital in England in mm-hmm. book one made it a really nice transition for her to have that have grown and matured because of the war to being the type of person where she realizes oh um I need to prove myself but I can handle tough stuff too you know yeah I I love that and it's like also how you write like I know it's I know it's your home but it's like I feel like you open up the door and you make us feel at home in Appalachia you know it's like I've never been but I feel like it's home in some way it's like I don't know how to describe it I I love my family loves the movie Sergeant York with uh, (laughs) Mary Cooper and stuff like that and just like so that that feeling of like when people would come from very rural backgrounds and then go into war and then come back and it's just like seeing that world through their eyes is so, I I find it so interesting because it makes you think of like, you know, this isn't how it is for everybody everywhere, even if you're coming from the same country. Right. So, well, and, and I think too, you have very different responses. Some people would leave for war and come back to a really small community like that and be, it would be stifling. It'd be like, I've gotten to see the world and I've gotten bitten by this bug and I want to go see more of the world. Right. And then you have people like Jeb, who's like, that was, that was a lot. I need what's secure and safe and, and, and familiar to heal because that, that's not home to me, you know? And so it was neat to get to kind of think about that as I was creating his character too. Yeah. Oh, I just loved him. Like seriously, it's like Laurel's dream was my first one that I read (laughs) from you. And then coming back to this one, it is like, Oh, I love them so much. It was just, so good and so yeah and then it's like and then I was I was reminded with so much stuff um because it'd been so long in between reading them and it's like I loved how it was the continuation in that um that redemptive thread of like other like characters that were in the background in the first book Mm -hmm. get to see 
more of their story. And I feel like, you know, it's not like Laurel's dream ended in a cliffhanger or anything like that, but to get some of that resolution from the first book, it was like, oh, I didn't even know I realized I needed this, but it feels okay. so good. Let me just say one thing about that. I won't give the spoiler away. I know. Uh, but those, but those who have read it will know who we're talking about. Yeah. That redemptive story is my great-grandfather. And the reason why the first book didn't end with a redemptive story for that character um, is because real life doesn't always give you the redemptive story when you want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that was true for his real story. Um, It was a, it was a later salvation story for him. And so a redemptive story for him. And so, I think that I love the fact that we get that closure mm-hmm. in a second story, but not in the first story. And I, for me, that felt more realistic um, to, to the true heart of his story, his real story. I feel, um, like so- I feel like that's a beauty with series too, is that you don't have to have everything, you know, you, you want good endings for everybody, but it isn't mm-hmm. always the case, but it's like, you can have it go through a series it does feel more organic. It feels more natural. And right. And and I think that'll happen if I get to do Kizzy, that's the same thing. People really want to know what happened to her. I know. Um, I want to know what happened to her. (laughs) I'd like to tell you what happened to her. So um, hopefully that will be the case at some point in time, uh, because her story is probably is my favorite of the three. It will depend on if I write it well enough for it to be my favorite of the three when it's published. But as far as in real life, it's my favorite of the three. Oh, I, I love that too, that it's like loosely based or connected to like a real story because it's like so many people are like, oh, it's fiction. It's not realistic. And it's like, oh, really? <laughs> yes. And her story will be the most hard to believe that it's real of all three. Huh. Because I, it, when I first heard it from my granny, and I was just like, no way that did not happen. And, and, I was, it's, and I was able to look up the research for it historically. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I can't wait. That'll be the teaser. So we'll all be waiting for Kizzy's story to see if I can pull it off. Isn't that the way that God, <laughs> isn't that the way that God works though? Like we're just like, my sister is doing like Esther in her devotions. And we just last night rewatched One Night with the King. And we're like, this like feels so like, if you didn't know that this is a real story, it's like, yeah. what are the chances that right. this would happen? All these players and police, people who related to this person are now 500 years later doing yes. this. And it's just like, it's incredible. And yeah. Right. It's just a good that. reminder. It's a, just such a great reminder that God's got it under control, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. there's no random page stuck in the story. No. You know, it's very comforting. And I mean, we can, we can look back and we can see that. And I feel like that's such a good thing about fiction is we can look and see, it's like, oh, this is how God's working. Even when this character is in the dark of the night moment, you, you know that there's going to be more. And I feel like sometimes we get stuck in our own life thinking, I can't get out of this. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, it's the point of where you have to like trust him and move forward. And yeah. Right. We are, we serve the God of hope, not the God of hopelessness. Right. So that's, that's the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So we have a few books to discuss. So let's, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, 
wow. Um, but yeah, definitely that is out now. Heart of the Mountain is out now. And yeah, grab that. Grab Laurel's Dream first and then Heart of the Mountains. So, and then you also are coming out in November, your first like hybrid epistolatory narrative. I don't know the genre. <laughs> so it's called romantic comedy, right? Okay. With But written in epistolary style. Yeah. So, uh, so people have to really, I mean, it's getting mixed reviews because people either like epistolary or they don't like epistolary. And yeah. so uh, those, hopefully those readers who don't like epistolary will see that I don't only write epistolary, but <laughs> this is my first epistolary novel. Yeah. That, and I had a blast writing it. <laughs> oh, I remember talking to you when you were like, um, like writing it and I don't know. Like, I feel like there is something to that interesting format that I feel like because we don't write letters and stuff like that more. And, but you look back, I was like reading historical biographies. So much of we know of what we know about like key historical figures are what they revealed in their letters. And I feel like letter writing and that type of outlet shows something about our character and about what's inside of us that I don't think that you would get through regular dialogue or narrative. How do you feel? Oh, I agree completely. I think one of the, some of the most interesting reviews I've gotten from people who've read Authentically Izzy already has been the intimacy in which they get to know the characters. And they're so mm -hmm. used to learning about the character's third person and their personalities. Yeah. And you, you can't make those judgment calls. You don't even know what they look like mm -hmm. until it, until the book switches to third person uh, near the end, you know, I don't know what about 60% of the way through it turns to some, some scenes with third person. And um, one of the things that I found so interesting was how can I bring these characters to life for the reader in this unique way? Because that's what's going to make this story be important and be, you know, enjoyable and, and that was, I loved doing that. It was very interesting to get to say, well, what can we, I, if I ask people who've read it to tell me a little bit about Luke, they could totally tell me about Luke, but they oh. wouldn't know a lot about what he looked like. No. And I mean, that's also why you feel like a beauty of fiction. Like what kind of like characters jumped to your mind that you like really loved even before there was any kind of physical description, because that's really what mm -hmm. we do love about them. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that the outward appearance is something that we usually, I usually do in my like imagination, but you love their, their heart so much. Yeah. And I feel like that really comes out in epistolary. And I feel like it was like a great character building before you switched over to the like partial narrative, partial third person narrative, partial epistolary. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And, and that it was just a blast. And I'll tell you yeah. a little bit behind the scenes was that this story was, I was writing the story whenever COVID was happening. So yeah. it was this idea of people not being able to be connected physically very much and having to connect through email or text or video calls or things like that, that we hadn't used as, you know, video calls we hadn't used as much as we did once COVID happened. It became like didn't, typical. We didn't depend on them. No. Until, yeah. And so that the whole story came, began to really take shape in the middle of COVID because we were living with not being able to be with people in person. Yeah. 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 And I feel like, 
Yeah, that was a great thing. And oh my goodness, so many quotes. I think I, I don't know if I texted you or another person, but I'm like, I think I'm wearing out the highlighter feature in my Kindle <laughs> because of like the insight and the self-reflection that we see Izzy kind of like go through, like she's going through a big, um, you know, her, her change in her growth. And she's like, re- like, she really reflects back on, okay, what does this really mean about me? And I feel like her journey brings up so many like delightful and thought provoking insights into life. I don't know how else, like how else you would describe it, but it's just like her reflection. I'm like, I want to go back through and get stuff like now that the release date is getting closer and, and do that because she's a book lover. And I feel like in that way you can like relate to her and how she's reflecting in real life. Yeah. And the introvert feature plays a lot into that yeah. too for people to feel connected um and i i think one of the things that i find most um enjoyable about that story is the family dynamics i absolutely adore the intimacy of those family dynamics and getting to be a part you really get to be a part of this family conversation um and and if people aren't really i mean i've had i've had a couple of people say well there were so many voices messaging back and forth and and usually when you're reading epistolary it's the hero and heroine having yeah. the emails back and forth or the letters back and forth and this was like a, a, an ensemble <laughs> cast of people and it's not a huge amount but it's it's to really get the family dynamic which i love to write family dynamics because family yeah, yeah. is so incredibly important to me um i love writing family dynamics to be able to do that this was the best format for bringing in everybody. That was my next, but that was my next note in my page <laughs> is the cousin dynamics, because it's like, I also feel like it's like, yeah, there's a lot of like voices going back to like with the text, but it's like, usually now we're kind of like used to everybody's been in a group text chat thing yes. Or, yes. Or, or an email and stuff like that. Relatable. And I feel like in an epistolary thing that only like sometimes like it's hard to get like that feel of what the, what the dialogue was. So I feel like with the quick, um, the quick chats back and forth gives you that little bit of insight into what their in-person pro- conversations probably look like Yes, yes. just in that. And it's just like, and how their personalities came out. Oh, so entertaining. And then you have, right. you have them arguing. It's like cousins, <laughs> but they're close, like siblings. Yes. So fun. Just wait until you get into some of the conversations with Penelope Emma when she in her book. Oh. So we'll talk about that one in a minute. But you know, yeah. very, very fun to, to, but to I, keep that. But I am, I am definitely in like Luke's camp, not because I relate to him the most, but oh my goodness, he was just so funny. He just brought that like so there were just so many things that he would like do or say. It's like I can see my brothers acting kind of like that. You know, it was kind of like the guy in the girls' conversation. And it's yes. just <laughs> <laughs> my best my best friend read it and she said he's such a guy and he I was like well, you know he is a guy. and that's why we loved him <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's and lots of times they'll say team team luke i've got people like even my editor becky mons she has a sticker that i sent to her and i've made these stickers that say team luke and i love luke and so lots of people are on the i love luke side so it's very funny yeah i yeah you definitely yeah definitely team luke because it's like yeah even though it's like 
don't always agree what he said, but he's just like, he's so that, that funny personality, his personality like really comes through and it's just, it is so funny. And I feel like everybody has like a cousin or brother or some guy in their family that it's like, you can just totally see him in that yes. place. Right. Oh um, no, being overwhelmed with all the girl talk. Let's, uh, like, exit. I think, I think you did what, like a TikTok slash reel where it was like, and Luke has left the chat. <laughs> That's right. I am, I'm leaving the drama, right? He's like done. Oh, he is so funny. Yeah. But then also you, it's such a, um like real a literature lovers um paradise because you have a character that's very bookish and she two. loves all that stuff two if two, you can't well, yeah 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 um and i love the andy griffith references yeah. they do andy griffith does not get enough cult pop cultural reef references and maybe i'm just an old soul but it's like love that show we're gonna renew this okay you just wait i got some book ideas that are very andy griffith uh celebration time yeah my sister who is almost 15 now um <laughs> she loves andy griffith and she goes they're just so good and they're just so timeless and it's kind of like oh it's just just the clever humor in there too, yes. where it's, it, it is, there isn't a lot of like slap, like not as much slapsticks, but it's like those little like twists that you see. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Big and fan. the characters. And of course the characters are what make yeah. them just oh, the yeah. best. Totally. Yeah. 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 I remember totally crying when I was like a kid watching Opie in the slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> That was like my first traumatic memory of watching the show. Oh <laughs> I have never gotten over that. No, that and Bambi's mother, you know. No, <laughs> don't even. Oh my word. Wow. Yeah. That one was a rough one. Yeah. We do mention Bambi in Authentically Izzy. Yeah. But it has to do with the word Twitter painted. So. Yeah. Which I think that's a. Disney work because it's like I was such a Bambi fan. I I read the Felix Dalton, um, the book, and I feel like a Twitter painted is a Disney a Disneyism. So hmm. I can't remember it's been a while. <laughs> I actually really love the book. That was like oh was nice, really, really good. Yeah, I bet you one of the listeners will be able to tell us about the origins of the word Twitter painted. What do you bet? Yeah, like how do you even come up with that? That that was a good that was a good stroke of writing last <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what do you feel like could be learned from um authentically is he about long distance slash internet relationships <laughs> oh that's funny uh well to be completely transparent about 80 percent of my closest relationships are online um with people that i don't see but maybe way every once in a while and so um i guess there's real life examples of friendships developing through books actually mm -hmm. um and being long lasting um and i think like you had said a little bit about um how we fall in love with the character not what they look like i think that speaks really well to real life um because i've found so many wonderful kindred spirits um, in this bookish world that 
I can't usually get hugs from, but boy, can I get some really good connection on stories and encouragement and, you know, Christian walk and things like that, that um, was what we're all really looking for in friendships. Now, not to lie, I do love a good hug here and there. So I like having yeah, people yeah. In, in person uh, a lot too. Yeah. Um, but I'd have to say, I mean, we're watching hap- relationships happen uh, just in friendship aspects. But I also know people who met online who got married and have been happily married for a long time. And um, I, I, I think it's you have to be careful. I think you need to be yeah. smart. I think you um, and I think what was great about writing the this the authentically easy relationship that happens abroad uh, is that it starts off with friendship and interest, similar interests as most relationships do. And you had to fall in love with the personality because you weren't getting the physical aspect. You weren't getting the moonlit walks or the, the, uh, or the, um, you know, hugs and kisses and all that kind of stuff. You were having to just see if their personality matched with yours and had similar love. So yeah, I think it's, that's my opinion. It still works. Just gotta be careful. Oh yeah. And it's like, it's, it is so interesting how it is like, it, you know, was like letter correspondence for like so, so long. And it's like, this is like a different, I I met somebody, you know, a little bit and it's like, we chatted for like over three years over the internet and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, we became friends on the internet. And then it was like, that, that was just so fun, but it's like based on those common interests and that, that friendship was built and it was kind yes. of like yeah you got to make sure they're real people <laughs> yes and and you know and the interesting thing is too I don't know if you felt this way but when I met people for the first time that I had gotten to know first online and met them in person for the first time it wasn't weird it was like yeah. we were just continuing the conversation we had had the day before um it was that organic mm-hmm. and it was great to have you know the physical hugs and all that kind of stuff but it but didn't they're the change. Same, they're the same. I feel like also yeah. the video, the video talks have like really helped me. Like, oh man, like so many times with like our Bible studies were online video through, you know, 2020, and and it was just like, yeah, it was fun to have like that that con- connection to back and forth because it's like even like the test texting can be disconnected, but if you're like, I don't know if that intentional focus is important. Yeah, well, even right now, where you and I mm-hmm. having this conversation, and you're all the way on the other side of the country from me, yeah. right? Um, it's a very natural sort of thing. It doesn't feel like we're all, you're on the other side of the country. It feels like you're right, right yeah. next door. I, I know we're right across the table, right? <laughs> I know, I know exactly. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It does, yeah. And that is an amazing thing about technology and how that can bridge that gap. So. After writing this book, you have a sequel planned. Can you give us, can we talk about the sequel to Authentically? Oh, the sequel. Yes, we can. Um, We actually are having a cover reveal next week for Positively Penelope. The cover is absolutely adorable. You have seen it, so you can speak Mm -hmm. to the adorableness of this cover. I like it even better than Izzy's cover, to be honest. And um, and I like Izzy's cover fine, but when I saw Penelope's cover, I was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. And so um, so positively Penelope um is coming out in August 2023. 
it is, uh, if you meet Penelope in the first book, it's taking her to Skamar, where mm-hmm. she is in the works to save a flailing theater. Uh, those of you who will be reading about Izzy, Penelope is the cousin, the youngest of the group, who um, is big into musical theater and dramatic and classic movies. And she is a... Uh, she comes across as very oh who do I think of I think of um uh the character in uh shopaholic confessions of a shopaholic uh the main character in that movie sometimes Penelope reminds me of her yeah I know and that was like kind of like a great thing it's it's like because you introduced all these characters so we already feel I feel like we know a little bit about Penelope that's another fun (laughs) thing about series is like yeah we get we get to know Izzy really deeply and I feel very intimately but it's like those little like breadcrumbs of the other characters that are just so fun and then it's just like I just love it's like even though it's like you know they're not all like first siblings but it's like but they act so much like siblings you yes. have the oldest you have the youngest you have the middles that <laughs> right and I really yeah. tried to keep I mean because I have a family of of five kids right and, and and my kids you get to see how those sibling dynamics play out in real life yeah. right and it was fun to get to see well can I write that really well so that in at such an intimate level right where you see oh she's the firstborn I don't even need to know more she's the firstborn or she's the baby Hmm." Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you and you get that sense of it just by meeting them right and uh through their emails and um but yeah, so Penelope is going to be coming out. You get to meet some new char- characters. You get to still have some of the fun humor. There's a, a lot more because it's Penelope. There are a lot more texts and, instead of just emails, a lot more texts and video calls uh, because it's Penelope. And she, yeah. so so hopefully um, you guys who are, who enjoy Izzy will also enjoy Penelope. And then we'll see if we get to have one more in this series happen which I'm really hoping we do um but for right yeah but for (laughs) right now I can tell you for sure authentically Izzy is uh August 2020 I mean uh, positively Penelope Penelope is August 2023 oh yeah you have a lot of titles to keep track of right now Uh, yeah sure (laughs) right Uh, so definitely excited looking forward to all of that um, well and, and I think it's it's difficult to one of the things you were talking about a little earlier and it may have been before we started recording is that I've I write in different genres and um so we have we have hope between the pages like we were talking about which is a dual timeline which is my only dual timeline uh yeah. story but then we have authentically Izzy and Penelope that are contemporaries contemporary mm-hmm. romance and and written epistolary style but we also have my historical romances historical. um and and so it's just a, it's a I like writing just sweet love stories okay with humor let's just say yeah. that and leave the historical contemporary out it's just yeah. anything can go yeah and it's like yeah if you're if you're one I guess it's like part of me is like oh I I couldn't imagine just picking one genre that's me but um it's kind of like I know how some people have like one preferred genre over Mm -hmm. another but it's like but it really I really feel it's like man would you have like a good funny entertaining story to me that surpasses any like genre based yeah uh, I agree that's me too Um, well that's me too if if I really like the characters and the storyline I don't care where you've said it 
Yeah. Um, it could be space if I can really get into the characters and the storyline. Not yeah. that I usually yeah. read space stuff, but well, there I don't think there are a lot of rom coms set in space. <laughs> yeah. Well, that needs a change. No I'm kidding. It does. I am it so does. not going there. I am not going there yet. No. <laughs> don't do it, Nicole. Don't do it. Don't dangle carrots. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I say. It's like, it, and it's like to me. I was like, I can't remember what. Um, there's like several authors like when you love how they write, how they craft a story. To me, genre is just or where it's set schematics yeah. because it's like because you still enjoy them. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> Talking about interesting settings, let's talk about the long-awaited, well, <laughs> the long-awaited sequel to The Mistletoe Countess, The Cairo Curse. Yeah, so that comes out February 2023. Yeah. If you have read The Mistletoe Countess, uh, you will get to follow along with Lord and Lady Astley as they go on their honeymoon to, on their way to Venice, they get a little detour over to Cairo, Egypt, to help with an archaeological dig. And they're with grace, only mischief follows because mm -hmm. unintentionally, unintentionally, she will bring trouble with her. And so... <laughs> we go um and uh so you get to still have your main characters as frederick and grace which has been it i will say it's the first time i've ever written same main characters in a second yeah. and i was really i am nervous about how people are going to take this one i was really nervous writing it even though i love these characters because yeah. something has to change in your writing brain that i didn't even know needed to change um, when you're writing, I write romance, right? My books are yeah. really heavily, romance is a, a strong thread throughout all of them. And um, you've already had them get married and they've, they have their quote happily ever after. What can I possibly do in book two <laughs> to keep things going? And, uh, and okay. So, and, and how, and how can well, be careful about what can you possibly do? Cause I know some people will be like, but <laughs> yeah no yeah. no i mean yeah, no. no 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 bad things and no yeah. x-rated viewing okay nothing like that but um but more of like character growth and and yeah. story forming that sort of stuff and so what i found is that when you switch from the i usually write pretty character driven stories my my mm -hmm. stories are really strongly wrapped around my characters instead of my story being wrapped instead of my characters being wrapped around my story the story is usually wrapped around these solid characters in the yeah, center yeah. if that makes sense and that so this sense. had to kind of change it a little bit to where the story then is the propulsion for moving the characters along because yeah, we've already yeah. established the characters right so yeah. that was kind of a, a new sort of venture um i think it's going to turn out okay but again like i said i'm nervous and um but those those two characters are so wonderful together and mm -hmm. um grace on her own is kind of just fun to write anywhere and so i hope that people will really enjoy it. and getting to place it in such an exotic place as egypt um that on its own was very exciting um i've always been kind of fascinated with egyptology and yeah. uh, I really liked that part, getting to put them there. And, and Grace, it was like, wow, Egyptology. 
you know well and especially during because of the time frame of that being I mean there was so much discovery going on archaeology was still so in its really baby stages and you had so many things being found and being learned in that time of history so I feel like you know you had if you think about it, like this Grace and Frederick story takes place in uh, the spring of 1914, which we're getting ready to start a world war, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not happened yet. And none of the stuff that seems to be starting has even brewed yet. But at only what, less than 10 years later, King Tut's tomb is discovered. Yeah. So we are right within that, like you're saying, this prime, big stuff, really high interest of really late 1800s, early 1900s was a big push for, for archaeology. Yeah. And I feel like it's, there was such a fascination because I feel like that also period of time, um, like the world, like where people were expanding, they were thinking about what was going on. Like they were just like, I can learn about these places that are on the other globe. I can learn about ancient civilizations. And I feel like that was such a huge, um, a huge thing. I remember when I was, um, reading um Ben Hur who was written by a guy like post-civil war his description of like the ancient world of Israel was just like that was such an interesting thing because it was so like we know stuff now that it's like they had no idea what that looked like they probably didn't have the um ability to go and and see these things firsthand they didn't have like the virtual video or yeah (laughs) Even 3D you know, models. Like, yeah, they had no 3D models. They had no idea what like the, the culture smelt like, tasted like, what the people looked like, you know, for so many things. Anyway, yeah. Well, and the other tricky thing is I'm writing from my character's view of 1914. Well, since yeah. then, we've had to recorrect what they found in 1914 because we found other things that changed that redefined kind of what we thought was true for Egyptian culture or certain pharaohs or certain things like that but I couldn't I couldn't put into the book what I knew because we didn't know it yet and so that was really an interesting piece too to go oh wait they haven't discovered that yet I can't I can't reference that you know yeah Um, oh yeah yeah that's an interesting thing you're right it's like you had to be based on their knowledge ability of that time so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that is really interesting um um, what do you feel like was one of the most interesting things that you found while researching Egypt? Oh goodness gracious. Um, (laughs) or like a surprise. Well, I did find there, there were booby traps in, uh, in, uh, tombs, but they weren't quite as creative as I thought they would be as far as like, I'm an Indiana Jones fan. So I was, I was just expecting, say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting all of these like special codes written on the floor that you have to step on to get to the darts. Don't kill you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, there really weren't a whole lot of those. Um, there were simple things like, um, deep dug ditches where with rocks and spikes sticking up in the bottom. So if you fell into it, you're automatically impaled or, mm. um, there were rocks that would fall from the ceiling to smash you um and these were mostly put put in place to to uh to to keep tomb robbers from getting into the the pharaohs or the whoever was buried there to the treasure chamber because interestingly enough because the egyptian religion was that what you were buried with was what you took with you 
right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If people, if it was stolen, you weren't taking it with you to the afterlife. And so it was really important to protect that treasure room so that you could take all that cool stuff with you to the afterlife. Um, and that was just really why they were trying to be so protective. Now, none of the, I mean, tomb robbers had been within a year of somebody dying. That's what <laughs> I was, that was going to be like my next question. And I'm like, is there more evidence for tomb robbers that were like really close to the time period or did the tomb robbing become kind of like a bigger later thing? No, it, it was, there was tomb robbing happening pretty early on after uh, somebody died. Um, once the, once soldiers stopped you know, um, guarding the tomb, then, then there were people trying to get in to get to the treasure and, and antiquities, illegal antiquities trading was happening pretty early on too. So there was incentive for robbers to get in there and get treasure. Um, so you, you would find stuff like that out I mean, you would find when you're researching. It was just so interesting um, because and yeah. it's such a different culture than me. I yeah. think one, okay. Okay. One of the most interesting things was these um water packs that water boys carry around in Cairo and they're actually a bloated goat body with its head cut off and the the water is poured out of the top of the neck and you're carrying and these boys are carrying around and you think it's an animal they're carrying on their back and you realize it it was at one point but now it's a water sack from this from the skin the whole, the whole goat the, goat yes without a head the whole okay, so goat like i'm just trying to think of like the schematics did they skin it and then restitch it like <laughs> how did they do that I, you know i didn't go into detail on that <laughs> research i didn't just what it looks like because you know do you really want to know it's not true. me <laughs> um but it was so interesting because you would find out things like that and culturally yeah. right so you're going into a culture where there's a large uh muslim population but also um coptic christian population yeah. uh, within that and so you get to you get to learn a lot of different things uh the treatment of women uh different the different kinds of things it was really so interesting yeah because we're we're thinking of like we think of like ancient egypt you know back the land of the pharaohs and stuff like that and then you have like modern egypt but it's like i bet you like that that turn of the during the 1800s that was probably a pretty pivotal was it like a really pivotal point or has it remained pretty much the same as it no it's, it's pretty pivotal at that time there were lots of wars going on uh, ottoman empire wars there was also it at the time i'm writing it there were switches between the british ownership of mm. egypt and or it, british occupation of yeah. egypt and egypt becoming moving toward becoming its own independent country ah. uh, of, of independent of britain so there lots of interesting things were happening, but there's a large British um, population in Egypt at this time, but it's like the last years of that large, mm. large occupation of Britain. That is interesting. That is very yeah. interesting. So, um, so I know you say that that was a challenge for you to write the continuation of the characters um, in a story like this. Um, yeah. I feel like it's like, yeah, it's, um, but really it's like, I'm, I'm excited as a reader because it's like, I want to see how it is because, um, because you are invested again, how it's like how you get invested characters to, to see them like, continue usually it's like you just get like little little nuggets like tossed here and there so 
I think that's kind of fun. Do you feel a little bit more confident with continuing this? Because I know you're having a third book with that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I well, okay, more confident might be a stretch, but I'm I'm excited <laughs> to try okay. again. Okay. So um I the, we have the third book coming out. It's called The Juliet Code. Um, and it's taking place in Venice where they're supposed to be having their honeymoon in book two, but it doesn't happen at first. And um, because of things, things, right? Um, Good things for the most part when it starts and then it doesn't turn out so as good. Anyway, um, I, I think, I think I kind of got my feet wet with book two and I'm hoping I'll be even better in book three mm-hmm. because I'm like, Oh, that's what I need to do. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, because it was such a learning curve for book two. Um, yeah. I also, I just think that here is this a personal opinion? Not everybody. I love having the opportunity to show beyond the wedding because a lot of times in romances everything stops at engagement or they stop at the wedding day and there's nothing wrong with that I enjoy that too it's not that I don't enjoy that but there's also something sweet about watching characters um, continue to be in love continue Mm -hmm. to work through hard stuff continue to learn about each other and grow and um and I am really enjoying that process too. Um, I just discovered that something's going to happen with Grace in the third book that is going to have to grow her because she's very young, and yeah. her her life has been kind of not not protected. I mean, she's been a motherless little girl, and yeah. but it's been a very unique kind of growing up, right? She's in yeah. the richer part of the family. She had this crazy grandpa who was teaching her about all these things he probably shouldn't have been teaching her, and. Um, and, but that created in her a mindset of adventure and life, you'll be okay. And something's going to happen. That's going to be hard for her to explain. And she's going to have to work through that. And so, um, I like those opportunities where you're like, well, you've gotten to know this character. How can we, how can we show her growing even yeah. more? Well, um, that was something that I didn't like. I didn't fully appreciate the first time I read Mistletoe Countess. And then when I read it, like the second time, I'm like, it really put me in mind is like, as to how young she was and how much of life she still had yet to like experience. And it's like, yeah, her personality was, was that way. Cause that's who she is, but it's like to have the opportunity to see it's like that growth, that mm-hmm. arcing thing is like so exciting. And I'm excited to see like what kind of a person she will become because of how she was in the beginning too right and I really there it's very important to me that she keeps her personality yeah because God gives us personalities yeah and and I still have a very similar personality that I had when I was a little girl but it has matured and changed and become more aware of where my place is in the world and in God's story. And Mm -hmm. that changes the way I respond to situations that happen around me. Right. It doesn't change the core fact that I'm an optimist. I've been that way my whole life. Right. Um, but it does change the way I handle different things in a much more mature way than I would have when I was 18 or 19. I think she's just turned 19. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like during that timing and setting, it's like 19 isn't what 19 year olds usually are like today, but no. <laughs> still, it's still that brain maturity is, is a, is a different time. You are a different, you're, you haven't experienced all the things. Yeah. Yeah. 
She's getting to experience a lot, although in a short period of time. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Speed growth. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you feel like is a good, like a good way to show growth? Is it like in a character? Do you feel like it's the it's their their response? Like, how do you how do you feel like they that you show growth in a character? Is it by like their responses or kind of how they um, are dealing with stuff internally? Um, well, don't you think it have to be a little bit of both? I mean, I think in real life I we're in real life we're having to do a little bit of both. I think yeah, writing yeah. gives us that unique perspective of being inside a person's head, so we get to see things we don't get to see on the people around us, right? Mm-hmm. In real life, yeah. so we get to see how they're processing, and that I'm looking forward to that part of this third book, which is coming out in December 2023. By the way, so that means three books in 2023. Hoy. Anyway, but, (laughs) but I think that um, the elements of changing how she's going to still be responding to things positively and dramatically and fictionally for a long time, probably her whole life. But again, showing that she's not, maybe not being as impulsive because she's realized wait I've got to think about this first not everybody's going to respond the way I do that's Mm -hmm. what sometimes I think we're going to see with her is that she can still be give people the benefit of the doubt and still be trusting and caring but she's going to be a more she'll be wiser I hope in the fact that she's like oh wait that person may not be the best person for me to talk to because they yeah. don't seem to be safe or whatever the case may be. I don't even know yet. Well, um, it's like learning, learning discernment. And I feel like it's like, like, I remember with, with, um, when I was like 19, it's like, you do approach, approach the world. Like how come not everybody sees yes, the world? Right. Like I do. I mean, my way is okay. So me, I was like the opposite. I'm like, well, my <laughs> way is right. And it's like, yeah. you guys need to all just get <laughs> like, on board. Exactly. But, but also though, that very thing you're saying though, is recognizing that other people's backgrounds, other people's experiences have been very different and it's going to cause them to make different choices. And, um, and, and she's learning that and having been such an avid reader, she recognizes that people's experience and usually she's going to think the most dramatic possible thing that could have been in their history to make them be a certain way. Right. She's She's already give everybody tragic backstories. (laughs) Yes. Everybody gets a tragic backstory. And then of course, that's why she's so compassionate because she's only imagining that they lost everybody they ever knew by the time they were seven and had to float on a broken ship into a <laughs> into port and you know that's what she's thinking everybody's backstory is oh I gotta say though though since like really getting into like reading and stuff like that you do look it's like then it's like and then people watching is fun because you're like looking at people and you're like what is their backstory (laughs) we can but see that's how also how authors work and create stories you know right yeah (laughs) oh this is so much fun yep always fun talk (laughs) books with you pepper so much to look forward to <laughs> and do keep in mind do keep in mind you guys we got a cover reveal for positively penelope coming up yeah. and i have hints of a cover uh, for the juliet code which i think is going to be very nice i hope it's going to be very nice so that'll be fun i too. do love how cairo curse turned out <gasps> i gotta say oh god 
I'm like, when I saw it, I'm like, okay, yes. That's like one of my favorite covers, I think. It's just one of those that you look at and you go, hello, yes. (laughs) Waistcoat goals, yes. (laughs) Oh, that was just like, there's so much promise in that cover. Yeah, no, I just like, (laughs) definitely because I know the cover doesn't always matter, but when it matters, when it, but when it, it does, does it help. does. That's right. <laughs> well, one of the, okay, so one of the things, when I got the Penelope cover, I was still in the process of finishing the book, right? Yeah. I got the Penelope cover. I was like, oh, crap. I am not going to be able to write a book that's worthy of that cover. So there are those moments whenever you do get the cover and I'm looking at it going, oh, that's adorable. Oh. Have I written an adorable story? Is it adorable <laughs> enough? That cover's so great. So when I got the Cairo curse cover, I was like, oh no, that's beautiful. <laughs> Is that how you're doing everyone, Pepper? Because I mean, that does seem like a, a treat with you. <laughs> what? Like you, you under, like you're, you're worried as to living up to the cover, yes, but I feel I, like I, do. <laughs> I, I am, I'm constantly imposter syndrome here. You guys, I mean, it's like, pe- this story is probably not going to be as good as the last one. So hopefully people will love me beyond it, you know? And so, oh my oh. Goodness. I don't even know why I do that. I guess, I guess it's because it was such a long journey to publication and yeah. there've been so many, so many things that happened even after after publication that caused me to have to fo- really work harder to yeah. make it to this point maybe that's part of it no. maybe yeah <laughs> I'm still like like the whole idea of being a finalist for the Christie's is still like are they sure did they score those things the right way because you know I'm the only barber uh, barber author who finally did <laughs> Christie's this year and I'm like yeah hello oh yeah no it's like yeah I feel like I could do I don't know I feel like the whole thing of like what books get like award like I don't know part of me is kind of like I feel like I could do a whole episode on like awards and stuff like that for literature because part of it is like how it just feels like such a subjective thing for art and it's kind of like you would think of like like classical artists you know between Van Gogh and um uh, Monet in order to yeah and it's like yeah yeah and it's like okay well how would you judge that I don't know (laughs) right uh his colors are brighter his colors are I don't know I know and it's just like but that's your it's like even like within like own families there's so many different like tastes as to what is good you know so I'm right. kind of like, that's why I say it's like, oh, Pepper's things. It's just like, sure. <laughs> well, and I, I think we're, I mean, again, I am so, oh, wow, so honored. It's, yeah, it's really yeah. mind blowing to feel that kind of, that's that my, number one, the publisher would nominate my book because it has to be nominated by the publisher to even be reviewed by Chris, the Christie's, right? Ah, so okay. uh, your publisher nominates the books that they uh want to see if they'll make it into the Christie finals right okay did not know that okay yes so so the publisher nominates and then there's a board of judges that read all the nominated books and rate them and then they 
get to the highest ratings and you're in the finals for that rating. Yeah. So that's how it kind of works. But it, it was such an honor to me just to have Barbara have enough faith in me to say, we're going to nominate this book. Um, I think I, I didn't know that they had nominated that book. And so that's why I was in the car with my daughter, Lydia. We were driving back from doing some sat from some shopping together for that day. And um, and I get this call and I'm driving through the Blue Ridge Mountains. And those of you who do not live in, in Appalachia, you probably have places where you live that do this, but you can get cut off anywhere going around a curve around here because yeah. the mountains are just the way they are. So I get Janie Jo Wright calls me and she, you know, when she calls, I usually answer because, you know, I mean, they're like, oh, do you need, do you pray about something? Or she's got something stupid to tell me that's hilarious or, <laughs> you know, things like that. And so, so I picked up the phone and I said, hey, to what do I owe this honor? And she said, you just fine. <laughs> and I'm like what what and then and then the phone cuts out of course right when that happens and so I was like wait a second well of course I can't check anything I am on the road driving through the mountains I don't even have internet access and so, and so I'm like she's gotta be that can't be right and so oh. then so then we go around a few other curves and my phone rings again and it's her and she goes and I find out too it was so funny. It was a great memory. <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. That's so perfect, though, too. It's like the timing like that is just so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Oh, it was so wonderful. <laughs> no, but I, I am really, I am really, um, I'm really happy that you are in that. Yeah, I'm excited, excited, nervous to, to see the. Have a watch I party. I watched, yeah, I I feel like I watched, I can't remember if it was I think it was last year's Christie Awards. I watched it. I had the opportunity to kind of like watch nice. it live. I think it was like I was streaming it live when I was driving home from work and stuff. So yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun experience because I had always like missed them before. And that yes. was the first one that I got to actually watch. And it's and like, they have great, oh. they have great speakers. They have fantastic oh, yeah. speakers. Yeah. I know I so. was, yeah, going to be super, yeah, marking it on the calendar, let's say November, it's, that's yeah. in November too. November yeah. 17th, more November stuff. <laughs> I got a jury duty summons today for November 15th. I'm like, what is happening in my life in November? <laughs> Everything is happening in November. Oh my God. I'm like, what? Wow. Oh, <laughs> that oh, is okay. awesome. That As so usual, awesome. we go way long. <laughs> we do. Yep. If you're with us this long. <laughs> Made it to the end. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Pepper. So excited for all this stuff. And yeah. Thank you. I love having chats with you. It's so much fun. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we aren't that far away. <laughs> no, no. Only, you know, an uh, airplane ride and probably a couple of taxis. <laughs> Would I have to hitchhike oh, anything like that to get to where you are? Did we? You no, know, no, no, no. We probably do Uber though. I don't know if there's a taxi. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'll pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for chatting <laughs> and looking forward to talking with you next time. Yay. Thanks. Okay. I hope that you 
from this conversation have some more books to add to your TBR list. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.